This is Worship God, a podcast of the Gospel Coalition Canada. Worship God is designed to equip worshipers and worship leaders for Christ-centered worship. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Worship God, a Gospel Coalition Canada podcast about all things worship. My name is Rob Brockman. I'm an associate pastor at Cornerstone Baptist Church in Orillia, Ontario. And today I am joined by Jody Cross, who is the lead pastor of South Shore Bible Church in Barrie, Ontario. Jody, welcome again to the podcast. Rob, hey, it's good to be here again. And we are also joined today very specially by Dr. Johnny Markin, who is the worship director at Cloverdale Baptist Church in Surrey, BC, and the director of the Worship Leader Institute. Johnny, thank you again for being on this episode. It's great to be back, Rob. It's great to see you again. It was nice to be with you in St. John's at that conference. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's a blessing that technology kind of allows us to be able to do this. You know, we, Jody lives 30 minutes down the road from Mm -hmm. me, but Johnny lives three hours time difference across (laughs) the great nation of Canada. And uh, we're able to record a podcast like this. And that's kind of the subject that we want to talk about today. Technology, new technological innovations, and how technology can be utilized and embraced by worship leaders. You know, this has been a live conversation. Um, I find especially recently, it kind of always is, but it's kind of flared up recently. You know, in the last 20 years, we've seen massive technological advancements that have impacted the worship world. I think of like presentation software, like ProPresenter and pre-recorded tracks and MIDI controlled set lists or the use of auto-tuning live during live worship sets. And so there's this perennial question that we're asking as worship leaders, which is, you know, what is the role of technology in our worship ministries? Is all technology good as long as we use it appropriately? Are there some advancements that, you know, we should shy away from? This is what we wanted to talk about today briefly. And so guys, I'm curious, you've both been in the worship ministry for decades, and I might even say longer than I've been alive. So what were some of the technological debates that you guys remember as young guys in the worship ministry kind of going up? Well, I mean, uh, going back into the 80s and 90s, there was the great debate around hymn books or song sheets or even song mm. books. I mean, uh, in the UK, when I was over there for years, um, every conference would produce its own song book, and then you would take those back, and that's what your teams would work from. But you couldn't buy enough for all your congregation, so you couldn't replace yeah. the hymnals. So what do you do? Well, we got this new song. How do we get everybody to learn it? Either printed sheets, or then, ta-da, we had the overhead projectors come along. Oh, and yeah. so whoever had good penmanship, and sometimes maybe not, they would be writing <laughs> on the what they called acetate papers back yeah. then. And, uh, and then you had to have that courageous person at the front in the, about the projector who was able to <laughs> put the lyrics up and, and keep it going as you moved from verse to chorus, et cetera. And, and then the odd time you'd put it up there and it happened to be upside down or backwards, you know, it just, it always happened. I always loved how they had to hide, like the cor- you put a piece of paper on top. And so I was like, you can't see the lyrics yet. Like we're going to hide what's coming. That was always great. <laughs> Yeah, well, that, that that was one of the ones I think that that struck me. But I think the development of a lot of the the newer technologies, the use of synthesizers coming along, mm. uh, alongside say the piano mm. and the organ, 
uh, which I mean, even the organ is a, a recent development in church history. Yeah. I mean, it, you have to go back 500, 600 years where it w- was a mainstay. But before that, I mean, you might have had the clavier or maybe uh, the early yeah. piano. But go back to biblical times and you had harps and lyres and horns and uh, percussion instruments. And that's pretty much mm-hmm. it. You know, Guitar amps on the platform. Oh, yeah. Oh. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I'm... I'm old enough and been been around enough to know that the drums weren't always necessarily the most welcome thing as part of a, yeah. a church service. And then I remember just thinking through and having to budget for the first video projector. You know, they mm. were three or four thousand dollars in those days, and and that might have been your entire audio budget for two years. Uh, so that was a, a a big challenge. And then fast forward a little bit, just in terms of um, figuring out personal monitor systems. And that's a huge expense when you start looking at that stuff. Mm-hmm. I was thinking as you guys were talking about the uh, video pro- or the um, overhead projectors, some churches even had two of them, so you had to coordinate them left and right. Because oh. two screens. <laughs> you imagine that? <laughs> two sets of people, two projectors in sync. Wow. That was the real technological advancement. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I, you know, I think we would in- instinctively agree that not all technological advancement leads to good and edifying consequences. You know, um, in recent years, we've thought about the issues now, and we've learned about the issues that are caused with too much screen time. Um, you, you think of especially with children and being on iPads up at night, late night, we know that, that it's not good. It leads to low attention span. It leads to impact sleep, mental health impacts. So we've seen how some technological advancements, although they might seem great at the time, there's actually some negative kind of consequences that come from them. So guys, like, can all technology be used to glorify God or do some things? No, you just, you can't use it to glorify God in that sense. What do you guys think? Jody, why don't you start? You know, we are, we're thankful for uh, what God gives us to, to spread the message. And really we are communicators at, at the heart communicating the best message of of all time and I like to think of technology as a tool to assist us in what we're called to do I think of things like biblegateway.com and mm. we all search for words like nations praise and you find out for from a bunch, bunch of verses or you use song select to search for songs with the word joyful or use click tracks that keep the band together so these are these are helpful tools and uh, I think they can help us to glorify God the problem is as we have heard before, that the medium can become the message and the the tech itself can become greater than what we're trying to convey. So uh, you give you an example, the light that is meant to spotlight something can become, or the lights, I guess, that are meant to spotlight something can become the focus of our attention and our affection. I remember mm-hmm. being in a, a church in, uh, in the States and we, my wife and I were visiting there for a Sunday and we were just amazed at how how great the parking lot was and how amazingly appointed the auditorium was and the seats were comfortable and the screens were big. And I was impressed even before the service started, before even any songs were sung. And so my attention and my affection was turned really even away from the Lord, just just to the physical environment. And um, so, you know, the thing I'm thinking of is that the medium can never satisfy us. The thing itself, the tech, is not meant to be the end. It's meant to, to point us to the source, but can never be an end in itself. And I think these are things that we have to carefully steward and they can never replace the beauty and the glory of Christ. It's amazing as you read through the Old Testament how you figure that 
idols so crept in uh, to the um, the temple that that God and His glory was replaced by human innovation and by human idols. And I think we really have to be careful of that. And I think it's I think it's a real real concern. Uh, think of a scripture, Second Corinthians chapter eleven. Uh, so Paul is is warning the Corinthians. He says that at the hands of the cunning serpent, how easy it is to be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And I would maybe say that uh, as a way of an analogy that the roadside road sign to Florida is simply there helping point directionally as an aid. It's not the the destination itself. And so these mm-hmm. things can never replace. Um, and so these are these are uh, tools, but limits need to be placed on them. And so, you know, you can run to either extreme. You can say, well, if, if there's some danger, we should just do away with all of it. Well, that's that's not going to happen. On the other hand, we can just say, whatever, if it's coming through and it's new and it's latest and it's the greatest, yes. Somewhere in the middle is this discernment where we, we think through these things. So, um, yeah, lots of, lots of um, thankfulness for it, but also great discernment needs to be used. It's interesting. I, I don't know if technology is anything but neutral. It's na- naturally the way we would handle it and the application that we would make of it, I think, which would dictate whether or not something is good or bad. So how we use the technology, Jody, I think it's spot on that you're saying the technology must be a tool for us rather than the the main thing, uh, as your story about going to a church and being wowed by everything, too. We forget it's about God. Uh, One of the discussions I often have with people is something called the normative versus the regulative principle in worship. And if you're of the Reformed background, you might be more inclined to go with the regulative, which like the word regulative is like rules. What rules? What does the Bible say is acceptable? So anything that the Bible says to do in worship is acceptable to utilize in worship, whereas the normative says anything that isn't prohibited in Scripture is worthy uh, to being used in worship, so long as it brings glory to God. And so we, we kind of walk between these kind of two worlds with technology. And what would you do? The Bible doesn't speak about overhead projectors or uh, anything like that, or PA systems or synthesizers. Uh, w- what do you do with these things? Can you say, well, no, it's, an, it's not a valid biblical technology, therefore we can't utilize it. But is our goal to keep using the technology from AD 33, or is our goal to utilize technology that is in front of us to uh, accomplish the Great Commission? So I think that's where we find our struggles. Mm. Johnny, you did an episode recently on your church's podcast, Soul and Circuit, on the subject of AI. Mm. The episode is called Navigating Faith in the Age of AI on the Soul and Circuit podcast. And so listeners, I'd recommend you check that out. Um, What would you say then are some of the limits of AI, because AI is one of these new technological advancements that um, worship leaders are trying to evaluate. Can I use? And you know, for a good a good yeah. illustration is, I went onto AI uh, onto Chat GPT because I was trying to find quotes about worship from Puritans. Mm-hmm. So I went on and said, "Hey, can you source me a bunch of quotes from Puritan authors about uh, worship?" And Chat GPT sent me a bunch of quotes. And then I double checked them on Google and they were all made up. They had, so then I asked, hey, like, can you give me the source? And they said, oh, sorry, I misunderstood. I created these in in the voicing, knowing from, from what I know. And so if I hadn't like double checked the source, yeah. I could would have completely mis, 
um, missourced these things and misattributed these these things. And so these are the sorts of debates that we're getting into about AI, AI's new tech. You just had a podcast about this. What are some of the limits of AI and its usage in the worship ministry, for example? Well, I think you, you kind of highlight one in itself. It, it kind of needs a lot more human direction to accomplish what it needs to do. Uh, to start with something a little goofy, uh, one of the fun things that worship uh, artists have been doing is saying, hey, maybe it can write worship songs for us. And so you right. have all these people saying, write me a song in the style of Hillsong or whatever. And so uh, my colleague, Mitch Jansen, and I were, were putting it to the test. And so I said, write a worship song in the style of Mitchell Jansen. And it came back with the chorus. Oh, I lift my voice in praise to the one who set me free. Jesus, you're my savior. You're the source of all I need. In your presence, I find peace. In your arms, I'm held secure. Mitchell Jansen, I adore you now and forevermore. (laughs) It didn't quite get the instruction proper, you know. In the same week. That's good because I asked it to do the same thing and it said, who's Rob Brockman? It had no idea. It had no idea who I was, so well, there at you least go. it knew. I mean, uh, <laughs> if we somebody did it with a, a Matt Redman song, and I, I saw that it said, and, and fascinatingly, it used similar lines for the Mitchell Jansen one as it did for the Matt Redman mm. one. So the first line, with every breath I take, was one in the Mitchell Jansen song. And it's, with every breath I take, with every song I raise, I'll lift your name on high, my love and worship ablaze. Forever I'll adore you, my savior and my king. In the style of Matt Redman, my heart will always sing. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a bit of direction that needs to be going. Yeah, it yeah, it yeah. needs to be minded, I think, and superintended a little bit uh-huh. in what we do. Again, here, if you're left to its own devices, it could create stuff and you don't know the source like you're talking about or whatever, or whether or not it's poaching something from somebody else. And so what mm-hmm. you've been getting out of some of these chat GPT written songs, it looks like just a bunch of cliches thrown at a wall that they pull down and make to rhyme in sort of these uh, little stanzas with that are, you know, so many syllables, so many syllables. And it kind of sounds like a hymn or or a contemporary song. And it analyzes mm-hmm. those things, I guess, and, and comes up with your, your sort of best guess. But yeah. if, if you try to uh, apply it in some other things, I think... Um, One place that I've seen it happening is algorithms uh, being used. I mean, AI has been around. It's not just this year where it's broken. It's it's gone to another Mm -hmm. level this year, but it's been in behind the scenes on social media for a long time Mm -hmm. and in such things like your Apple Music, your Spotify, and those algorithms. uh, People want to get their music caught into the algorithmic cycle so that it gets in front of people and somebody gets suggested, here's a song you Mm -hmm. might like. And so when you start using those same algorithms in something like like CCLI, which I'm I'm not sure they do, but let's suppose that they do, suddenly they're going, here's an important song because uh, everybody's singing it. Well, is that the best reason to be choosing a song for your church Mm. and its hymnody? Mm. Perhaps not. So is is there a limitation to the use of those algorithms to suggest something is of quality? And I think that's where we need to have the human intervention side that says, okay, well, let me look at that song and assess that through some criteria before I introduce that to my church. What if lyrically it's actually not very good? What if theologically it's it's doing something our church would not embrace? And so I think there's a, a some diligence to be done on the human side interacting with that technology rather than just trusting it blindly. But I mean, the, the bigger uh, conversation is always, 
where does technology fit in with humanity? And Jody, you touched on this too. It's It should be uh, not replacing people, but helping those people. We've got a big debate going on in Hollywood. There's a strike because actors are worried that they're going to be replaced by uh, virtual actors in programs. And uh, if you think that's crazy, there's been a virtual model on social media that's been uh, gone viral. And, and it's not a real person. But this is a mm. virtual account, and uh, it's, it's it's fooling a lot of people into think that it is something real. And so, where is that line in terms of church ministry? Are we taking roles away from people that could be serving? And I think mm. that's Romans twelve one. Your, your serving of the Lord is your spiritual act of worship. And so, where is that boundary, and where does it lie? So, I just want to leave that out with you yeah. guys. I do think that this idea of <clears throat> AI using it in a way that take takes away from some of the the what a worship is, which is us bringing our hearts and our minds and our affections towards the Lord. When we start using AI, you know, I watched, I saw this. I think it was an article of the service that was led by AI worship leaders who were on the screen and they were just computer generated people who were leading the liturgy yeah. and, and directing people. And it almost forgets the fact that what God is looking for is intentional, heartfelt, mind, body, soul worship, where we are bringing our attentions and our affections towards Him. Mm -hmm. And so I think some of the danger of technology is when it eliminates that, when all of a sudden now it kind of, it, it, it excuses me from having to actually put in heartfelt, mind, thoughtful worship, I think that can be a bit of a danger. Jody, how do we evaluate then whether a technolo technological advancement could be used in our ministries and in our worship? What what guidelines or maybe principles or things should we be thinking as, you know, we see some new technology show up? It's like, okay, maybe I can apply that. Like, yeah, maybe I can use an AI worship leader on Sunday morning. <laughs> sure, sounds great. That's cool. God's <laughs> given us technology. What are the principles that that we can use hmm. yeah thoughtfulness i think thoughtfulness in community would be a place i would start that we think through these things and you know every local church is different in the sense that there's a different personality a different size different demographic different location different budget different everything lots of the things that are the same but many things that are different about a local church and so in community thinking praying discerning and with the bible open and the first question I would say is what, thinking through what is essential to worshiping God corporately? You know, what are the musts, must-haves, and, and what are the, the things that are uh, maybe helpful but not necessarily essential? And, uh, you know, so we think this question, did the people who worship before electricity or before electric guitars or loops, did, did they worship God in an appropriate and authentic and pleasing way to the Lord? What did they do? And was God pleased more uh, with what we can offer him now because we've got more tools or was was he pleased with their worship as well so because i think it's easy to say that god is more glorified when the electric guitar player plays that riff perfectly okay is that is that mm -hmm. true is that true or is it just the product of our culture uh, second question i would think of as we evaluate it is does it compete with with does it compete with or violate a, a biblical imperative so i'll give you an example of that in Colossians and Ephesians, the Bible says to sing to one another. I've heard many people who have attended services in darkly lit rooms 
with really loud music that they're saying, I can't see the person next to me or the people across the way, and I can't hear them. So in that case, the technology, lighting, and volume particularly are competing with what Ephesians and Colossians is clearly telling us to do. And um, the other thing is just, we talked about authenticity and that that you were watching this uh, AI-generated service. And, and you know, you could be watching, and, and if you think you're getting the goods, you might be getting words. And as Johnny was just saying that you can write an AI song, but they're just words. And it, it's not it's not really portraying the greatness and the glory of God from a human heart that's been changed. It's, mm. it's a synthesized product yeah. versus... I once heard Brian Dirksen just talk about the difference between a product that we manufacture and fruit that is born in the life of an individual that loves God by the power of the Spirit. And and so we can have we have to think through whether or not we're producing fruit or or making a product. And do we come before the Lord with great musical presentation outward um, perfections, or are we coming with less perfections and more heart authenticity? And maybe uh, I'll give you a couple more. Another question to ask would be, are we replacing or obscuring something vital, uh, which is the congregation singing? So Piper's Church famously came up with the fact that the question they were asked is, what should define the sound of our, our music and our, our worship in our church? Uh, they said it was the sound of, of God's people singing. And so if, if what we're doing with tech replaces people singing because either A, they can't hear themselves, or they're not encouraged to sing, or they're so wowed by what's happening on the platform that they just don't engage, then we are replacing and obscuring something vital. And if we can, I know one of the things that that we have spent years doing in our local ministries was to raise up young musicians and, and young leaders. And if you can choose between a track that's a perfectly played part or a 16-year-old that's just learning how to play guitar, something is gonna suffer. And um, I think God's call for us is to equip people to use their gifts and to grow into the grace that is used in their own leadership. So I think we have to ask ourselves that, is tech replacing some of these things? Mm. Jody, I actually resonate with that last uh, analogy uh, with tracks being utilized. Back in the 80s when I was a touring Christian touring artist, I had a computer doing all my backing band and it was because it, mm. I could do a one-man show and I could travel and it was cheaper, blah, blah, blah. I missed the engagement of other musicians over the years. I wound up being back in a band. Now, I mean, over the years I've seen about three waves of using backing, MIDI backing, and then there mm. was the computer backing, then it was just off your iPad using tracks in the last few years. And it's much more pervasive now. But the difficulty is it has caused people to rely on that technology rather than leaning in to training your own musicians and giving them the opportunity even to fail, but ultimately to succeed. And the sense that they have of contributing something of their own art to the community and as an act of worship back to God is very important. And we need to cultivate that, even at the expense of pulling tracks out altogether if necessary. Uh, should it be about the production? Maybe it should be about what you said. Are we engaging the people to sing along with us? And I think people see a young person out there who's trying really hard. There's, a, there's grace afforded in that. And I think they say, hey, that's our young so-and-so. What a, what a great blessing that is today. The thing that scares me, there's a lot of things that scares me, and I'm not so scared that I wouldn't use tech, but one of the things that scares me about this is, um, are we still prepared 
to do the hard work of prayer, planning, coordination, communication, rehearsing, Mm -hmm. and working Mm -hmm. in community as we plan and lead a worship service. That is all, it's energy and time and reliance on God heavy. And there's a real temptation for us to click a button and to do some work on our computers. And we have what looks to be on paper, a very seamless and professionally sounding or professionally orchestrated service. But it's very different than when we are relying on the Lord. And and those things, I think, we're definitely in the danger zone if we fall into that stuff as well. Well, and, and I just want to jump in one more time because you made me think about something about that virtual service you were watching, Rob. The Spirit of God dwells in humans, not in machines. Mm. And there is something about God working through and moving through his people. It's a supernatural thing. When we gather in the room, God is present by his spirit. And we we cannot take that for granted. We're not just showing up in a room to watch something. It's not like movie theater night. There is an active relationship. There's a, a vertical and a horizontal relationship at play here that God is part of. And perhaps we can use machines and tech as part of that. But ultimately, God can speak through and chooses to speak through his people. Uh, that is a privilege we should, I think, treasure. Well, you know, tracks are ubiquitous today, it seems like. It just seems mm-hmm. like a lot of churches just take for granted that, yeah, this is great and we're using it. What What are some ways that, let's use tracks, for example, um, you know, I don't use tracks. We don't use them here. I used them about six years ago for about a year um, yeah. before I had really given much thought about it. It was just kind of like, cool, great resource. Uh, threw them into main stage and started using them and then had a bunch of bad experiences with them cutting out mid song and freezing and then starting back up. And then we were, <laughs> you know, we were off time and it was just kind of bad and then yeah. it just didn't work out. So we cut, we cut using them. Um, but how could something like tracks potentially benefit and be used towards helping worship leaders and not get not not do maybe some of these things that we're thinking about? Like one thing I'm thinking about is not every church has a full-time worship person who could spend 30 hours, 20 hours planning liturgies, thinking through creatively about how songs work. And so tracks are are kind of an easy way to get the ball rolling Sunday morning and have good singing, good good music, um, and enable somebody who's like, yeah, I don't, I just don't have time to to to, to coordinate a whole band and all this stuff. So is that a is that a useful way of using technology in that sense, or what might be some ways in which we could use technology to help achieve the goals? Um, of worship well for one thing the tracks you could utilize them as a rehearsal tool because you Mm -hmm. can teach people what an arrangement looks like by learning how to put the composite pieces of a song together you can realize that i think uh, i'd like to do two choruses and then a verse and so you can you can learn about song arrangements and and how a song can you know, have, have its life and, and a journey. Uh, but you can also then break down those parts and let your piano player listen clearly to the types of sounds that are being used and the types of parts isolated. Here's what they're playing. See, they're not playing everything. They're just playing little bits over here. Bass player, let's take a close look at what you're doing. And so if they can 
eliminate all the tracks eventually because you and just leave a click track for you to play with now you've got the humans learning from some of these studio musicians that with it's what's afforded to us you know but it's not cheap to run tracks you have to have a license mm. and, and, a, and a subscription so if you're a smaller church what do you do I, I think of a church plant in i went to in moose jaw in the last few months and what they've d- done is simply sing to youtube tracks uh, but they've got real singers up there trying to utilize that too. Mm. Valid or not valid? Well, people were worshiping, uh, so I'd say it was somewhat successful. Is it the best way of doing things? An argument could be made, maybe no, uh, but mm. that's what they were utilizing. Uh, yeah, I think I think sometimes we have to really wrestle with the idea is bigger, better, is fuller, better. I was mm-hmm. in a worship conference once, and there was a guy named Bob Fitz. Some of you who are listening yeah. maybe remember him. Yeah. And he, he's a guitar player, I think, mostly. I've seen him play guitar mostly. But he was sitting behind a, a keyboard at uh, in the basement of People's Church, and he was singing I Love You, Lord, with uh, 13 people uh, in, in the basement of his church. So it wasn't his main instrument, a small little setting. But it was like heaven filled that room in a, in a place that wasn't full, wasn't big, but it was authentic and it was beautiful. And to anybody listening who has a smaller church and doesn't have the resources, and Johnny, I appreciate what you said there because to actually start using tracks means you have a personal uh, monitor system, which is yeah. thousands of dollars, and then you purchase the tracks, then you have to have staff time to arrange them, orchestrate them line them all up so there it's it's intensive time intensive and it's it's costly um and and just so you know if you're a smaller church and you just don't have those resources i also want to encourage smaller churches just to say what god has given you um use it and if it's if it's a single guitar or a single piano or a shaker and one vocalist and a guitar player then there's nothing wrong with that. The Lord is is pleased with that as much as he is with a full orchestra. So don't feel like you have to be the full orchestra. Uh, and I think these things, it's almost maybe like a like a hot sauce, you know, maybe a little couple of drops of hot sauce are great to add flavor to your, your food. But if you put the whole bottle on it, you've obscured <laughs> the, the taste of the food and it's now hot sauce only. And uh, I don't personally use tracks. We don't have a, a personal monitor system in the church we have. We don't have a budget for it. But um, I think it's, it's valid perhaps to, to add some pieces uh, to a hole in the, in the sound of the band. And I think, again, it just comes down a lot to motivation. Why am I doing this? And do I think the Holy Spirit's going to come because there's now a shaker track on, you know, in the band that we don't have a live person? Well, okay, so don't rely on that. And so I think there can be a helpfulness and, you know, it would be easy if there was a line that you could draw and said, this much and no further is good. <laughs> Everything forward of that is just is bad and dangerous. But there is no line. And it has a lot to do with, again, our discernment and um, the resources that God gives us and, and the motive that we're, we're using these things because, because of. Recently, there was... Uh... An, an article or I remember about auto-tune, live auto-tune in worship. And uh, there, a big debate raged about that. Here's another great technological advancement that came, but then all of a sudden people started to realize that, oh, there are churches that are using this in their live performances. And the justification that's given is a justification that, brothers, I'm sure we use often about all kinds of things, which is we're eliminating distractions. It's distracting when your vocalists aren't in tune. 
And uh, there's a lot of great YouTube videos of where the auto-tune is just forgot to be set in the right key. And <laughs> it just sounds amazingly bad, um, which is distracting itself. But what I'm curious about auto-tune, like what, what, what may be, can we use that in worship? Or what is maybe using auto-tune reveal about a bit of our theology of worship? What do you guys think about that? Well, God does deserve our best and God's people deserve our best. And I think excellence can bring glory to God. At the same time, uh, like I said earlier, sometimes we focus too much on the presentation of what we're doing. If if we are so production-oriented that everybody stops singing and wants to watch and listen, maybe we've lost the plot a little bit. And so I, th- I think I would rather have people with a few flaws uh, that hopefully we can work on and realize, hey, that's something you do need to work on. Ultimately, oh, yes, maybe I need to go and get vocal lessons. Maybe I need to go to a drum teacher who puts me on a click track and I learn how to stay in time and play my fills without overrunning the front of the bar. Yeah, so there's there's other things that we can do. I mean, uh, yeah, auto-tune can be a friend, but it can be a disaster. And just like the tracks, we could start leaning on it instead of seeing the development of the gifts within our own people. Rob, I'm, I'm actually seeing, uh, we'll call it production fatigue from a number of people that I've talked to. They have Mm -hmm. been part of churches that were really heavy on this stuff. And uh, actually, I was at a Christmas service, and my son-in-law was beside me at this Christmas service, and he went up to the leader, and he said to him after, he said, are you using auto-tune? And the guy said, yeah. I hadn't heard it. I was right beside him, and I think I have Mm -hmm. a pretty good ear for what sounds like a synthesized vocal part, but I didn't hear it, but he did. Mm. And his response was there was a bit of scandal you know going on just he was a little scandalized and and i think that really was uh just um it it removed the uh the joy of his worship because he felt like he was almost being duped and there was a a bit of deception going on you know behind what was was being uh, portrayed And, and and i impute no ill motive to the team that was doing it but the point is that there was a distraction. So, you know, it's kind of what the opposite of what you were saying. There was a distraction because uh, there was something funny going on. There was some sleight of hand. I remember seeing the Newsboys at some concerts Mm -hmm. and Phil Joel, their bass player, was not on stage anymore. So there was, I think, four of them and there was massive bass parts coming through the mains, but there was no bass player. And so as a musician, you go, hey, there's something funny going on here. There's somebody missing. There's something missing. And there's something I'm hearing that's not real, or at least it's not mm. real in terms of what else is being portrayed. And uh, I would I would agree with Johnny that I would rather take uh, an average average musician, an average vocalist, and help them to sing better, and uh, r- then then take someone and make them perfect. And so yeah. that the sound and the production is always ten out of ten top notch. There there are good biblical kind of principles that we should follow, like excellence and like creating an opportunity for people to worship in a non-distracting way. Um, But I think it it can get to a point where we are now contradicting other biblical values with that value. And so we need to hold all these values because then what's not to say if like Britney Spears just sings, pretends to sing to a track. So like, Hey, why wouldn't we do that? Like it, cause that's not going to distract. That'll be, we're going to get rid of distractions by just having perfect flawless vocals. That logic, I think 
then inevitably starts to contradict other biblical principles like, well, we're meant to sing, <laughs> we're really sing together and uh, to make noise together. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's holding these things in tension and, and, and holding all these values in tension and not letting one outweigh another. Brothers, I'd love just to hear, you know, f- as we wrap up, maybe a final word on this from you guys. Um, what would you want people to walk away with thinking about the values and how do we think about this? What's a key thing you'd like to, to leave us with? I, I think watching for the inauthentic is, is a really important thing, but just to, to keep the balance once again, let technology serve us in our worship, not dominate and become the main thing. We don't want people coming to our church, wow, look at the technology they're using. I think it was it was facilitative or fortunate mm. that many churches had already started down the road of having some technology when COVID caused us to have to go online. And so there was a, a sense where the technology was allowed to be a, a tool. Now that we're meeting back again, should we be relying on the online broadcast? That's a it's a difficult conversation that churches mm-hmm. are having. Or are people are they happy to stay home and watch on Sunday morning? Or are they missing the point of what it means to gather in person mm-hmm. as the body of Christ? So I think just keeping that sense of perspective about technology. And just one thing that we had talked about in our preamble before we uh, put the podcast on, Jody, you mentioned lighting and that sense of fatigue and uh, the dark rooms that people are in. And I'm hearing from many worship pastors as well, too, the idea of why are they telling us to do it? Just because we can do it doesn't mean we have to. You know, is it okay mm. to put the lights on? And I thought, of course. Mm. How do I sing to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs if I can't see my brother and sister in Christ? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. just that bringing the sense of the brightness of God. And, and, and the lighting can have a great um, sense of helping to focus things. And for cameras and stuff, when you're doing online broadcast mm-hmm. or just simply videoing for retrospect, the sermon or a, a song or whatever, that's good. But it shouldn't be the main thing. It, we should be driven by the call to be together and and make the main thing the main thing. I mean, they're mm-hmm. still worshiping in the plains of Africa without any technology mm-hmm. and in the mountains somewhere in central Canada. Who knows? I mean, out front, camps are some of the greatest times when people mm-hmm. uh, are able to worship together. So let's, uh, let's trust the Spirit of God to lead us in our worship more than our technology. Yeah, stick, I would say stick to the... Um, Stick to the basic understanding of what worship is. It's an authentic offering from a redeemed heart uh, to the God who loves and saves them. And realize that that God is the audience, and it's so easy to be doing what we do technologically for the people that gather. And realizing that we are not putting something on for consumers to consume so that they're happy with us, because we don't want them to go down the street where there's a better product being delivered. Hmm. But we are there to facilitate people's response to God who loves them and mm. and I people um, engaging people and engaging people to love God and engaging people as as they are gifted to serve in worship ministries with us and to love them and to value them more than we we value the technology that they will never be replaced uh, as Johnny mm. said earlier that the spirit of God works in the hearts of humans who are redeemed and so yeah, let's uh, let's be thankful. I say my final final word is let's be thankful for what God gives us, and let's use them wisely, uh, focusing at the heart level and on the people level before we uh, we cave into to technology. Yeah, I do think that worship leaders 
It's important that we get this as leaders in the church and how do we utilize these thing, these things. And then it's how do we also train our people to not be the consumers who just want to go to get the Hillsong CD version of the song all the time. And, uh, and there's a sense in which that's how we need to lead what you, I had a senior pastor who would say, what you win them with is what you win them to. And so we want to make sure that we are winning people with authentic, transformative passionate corporate worship that's mm. genuine and authentic and that's inclusive and um and not just maybe placating the masses um with just perfection all the time is not necessarily a good thing so brothers thank you so much for being on this pod- podcast jody johnny thank you again for joining us and listeners thank you make sure to check out that episode on johnny's uh, on soul and circuit called Navigating Faith in the Age of AI. If you want to have more of a listen to more about the AI issue and uh, we will see you on the next episode. God bless you and bye for now. Worship God is a production of the Gospel Coalition Canada. For more Christ-exalting resources, go to ca.thegospelcoalition.org.